Yeah, yeah, every morning, gotta let the dog out, right? And if you let her out too long, she starts roaming around and thinking about sneaking out of the yard. So how do you get her in when she doesn't want to come in? Oh, we gotta resort to bribery. Just like dealing with a politician. So I rattle a box of treats. Yeah, that's get, that gets her running in. Like I'm her best friend all of a sudden. Only when I have food. But what happens when you don't have any treats left? The dog just stubbornly stands there looking at you like you're playing a game of chicken. Who's going to give in first? She looks at me as if to say, well, are you going to ante up or what? It gets to the point where she won't come in without a treat. So a couple of times when she wasn't looking, I picked up a two-inch rock and started saying, here you go, here you go, come on, come get your treat. She fell for it a couple times, but now it's back to the box rattling. Rattling? Rattling. I guess you can rattle too. That's not a word, but I just made it one. Rattling. Rattling and rattling. Yeah. Or I rattle a box of pretzels or a bag of pretzels. That that works too. Yeah, I do it even now with my wife. If I want her to go with me somewhere, I just rattle a bag of pretzels. She comes a-running. You know, those little chocolate-covered pretzels. Yeah, you got to use those. Otherwise, you know, she'll just stare at you. And won't make a move, just like the doggy. Yeah. I mentioned picking up a two-inch rock to fool my dog. Is rock mentioned in the Bible? Well, you better believe it is. The book says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. So God is definitely the rock, along with Jesus, who said, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Because these words is the word of God. Jesus himself is called the word. So as a result, Jesus is the rock. See how that works? He is our cornerstone of the whole entire church, which is the body of Christ. Without the cornerstone, you don't have a church. Jesus was asking his disciples one day, who do people say that I am? And there were a couple different answers until Peter finally said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And right away, God blessed him and said that it was his heavenly father who revealed this important information to Peter. And that's when Jesus said to him, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and give the gates of Hades, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Again, when Jesus says, on this rock, he's referring to himself, to the word of God, which again originates from Jesus the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus then said to Peter, I will entrust to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. 
And what do keys do? Well, they open doors, opening the door for us to enter the kingdom of heaven. And how does that exactly get done? By Peter, along with the other apostles, being witnesses and to record in the Gospels the life and times of Jesus. Because that's how people enter the kingdom of heaven, by knowing who Jesus is, what he said, and what he did. Now, the word Peter does mean rock, but like a, like a small stone in the translation. But when the word rock was used in building my church, that translation as a, as a, um, as a foundational boulder is what it was. So just in the words alone, I think Peter's experiences and writings are instrumental for us entering the kingdom of heaven one day, but definitely not the focal point, because Jesus is the focal point, always was, always will be. Everything runs through him. We can't get to heaven except through him. It doesn't say we can't get to heaven except through Peter. No, it doesn't. So even though Peter was temperamental and impulsive at times, he was definitely a great man of God. Nobody is ever denying that. But even if Peter was the rock on which the church was built, how does the Catholic Church align itself with him and in essence claim to be the only one true religion that calls all the shots in God's name? There's no identification with one to the other. Peter was never even in Rome. Peter was never the kingpin above all the other apostles. And the Catholic Church, or any other religion for that matter, was not inspired by God to be a kingpin of anything, ruling over anything or anybody. No, it's just not in the Bible. And Peter was definitely not the first pope and definitely didn't start any one religion. He was instrumental as the other 11 apostles were in spreading the word of God throughout the world. But don't attach something to him that was never substantiated in the Bible. Don't believe something that, that's just made up and fake, like fake news, like women and men now with fake boobs, and hospitals that falsely claim that they never make mistakes since there are yearly studies claiming roughly 12,000 deaths caused by unnecessary surgeries, 7,000 deaths from medication errors, 80,000 deaths from infections acquired while in the hospital, and 106 deaths from the FDA-approved prescribed medicines. Is this who we're blinding, blindly trusting? It shouldn't be. Also, as we know, there are fake politicians, no different than the cardboard cutouts, like uh, like you see at Staples, like like you see uh, Shaquille O'Neal at Staples. You ever see that big moose of a man? Yeah, they propped him up all over the place. I think I can take him. We also have fake education, as everybody knows, and fake false flags to go to war. Look at history, even in Ukraine. Oh, the Russians are the boogeyman. Let me ask you, who do you trust more, Putin or Hillary Clinton? Yeah, tough choice, isn't it? So here's some more verses 
in the Bible talking about the rock. The book says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Here's another. They remembered that God was their rock, the most high God, their redeemer. And one last one. And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. So again, there's no doubt whatsoever on who the rock is. God and Jesus were both referred to as the rock. No one human being could ever hold that position of responsibility and power. And the illustration of building a house upon solid rock is a perfect example in order for the house to keep standing through any kind of storm and high winds, which precisely has everything to do with our own lives. As we all go through, uh, as we go, as we all go through those types of times with major trouble and problems that come our way, we can't avoid it. Sometimes it hits us. But if we are grounded in the Word of God and trust in Him implicitly, implicitly with His protection and direction, then we have nothing to fear. Our house will not fall. Hey y'all, I'm Billy Bob. I's a gator hunter from Mississippi, IA. And I'm Alfredo from Alfredo's Pizzeria. And if we can be a best of friends without the fighting, then everyone should be able to do the same. Even though I think Billy Bob is four eggs short of a dozen to put his hands around gator mouse for a living. Safer than putting my hands in an 800-degree pizza oven, singeing off my knuckle hair, I'll tell you what, but never mind all that. We each bond with Jesus Christ. We's on his team, which makes me on Alfredo's team. So I can forgive a Billy Bob for spitting the chew tobacco into my face when he gets excited and talks too fast, and ignoring the stacks of bald tires in his front yard. Just as I forgive Alfredo for serving me nothing but pasta for the past 20 years, and also using chopped walnuts as a pizza topping, which is way too squirrely, even by my standards. So our message is to keep a God close for all our sakes, and to listen to Don't Bring Up God on WAEB Sunday mornings from 8 to 9. Y'all take care now, hey? Billy Bob, don't forget your ground gator, gizzard, and garlic stromboli on your way out, with, of course, some pasta on the side. Thanks, Alfredo. Use a true friend. I'll tell you what. Hey, no calls today, by the way. No calls. I heard this uh, terrible story of an ex-girlfriend burning down the house, burning down the house. Remember that song? Burning down the house of her ex-boyfriend who was at the time living with another woman and their 18-month-old son. The fire killed the woman and killed the baby in the house, but the man escaped. And the ex-girlfriend that did it will be in prison now for the rest of her life. Now, you tell me, how can you possibly handle that type of situation without going crazy? There's no way you can do it. You need the helping, saving grace of God the Father. Because as God said, I am close to the brokenhearted, and I save the crushed in spirit. Now, if God Almighty 
who created this entire universe, is telling you that he can help you even in this type of situation, why wouldn't you take him up on it? Why would you do why wouldn't you do everything he says and bow down and pray for your very life to be restored, to be able to smile again and have hope again? And then to handle what has happened to the best of your ability and then one day put it all behind you because you got to have because you're going to have to do that and put it away uh, this terrible crisis if you're going to continue on and do as Paul says I don't spend one thought on what lies behind but I push ahead you can't do that without God's help no way now how are you going to do that with with God uh there I go again, making that sound like I'm choking again. I got to stop that. The question is, now how are you going to do that, get over a crisis situation without God carrying you, carrying you through and showing you how to do it? Because as I said, it's just impossible without him. The book says, but the Lord has become my stronghold and my God, the rock of my refuge. I will seek refuge beneath your wings until danger passes. Hey, how many times a year as something just occurred to me out of nowhere, blindsided me, how many times a year does death come to mind? Somebody becoming dead. Because we do use the word dead in several everyday phrases, like dead as a doornail. I'm not sure why. That phrase is so popular, although maybe it isn't anymore. That's probably in the olden days when I was growing up. But that is the doornail. I still hear it from time to time. But I don't know why it's popular because a doornail is no more dead than the door or the nail, a rug, a table and chairs, the shed in the backyard. Must I go on? So what's the attraction and obsession with a doornail? I wonder. Huh. I'm not loving it. You also hear the phrase, fire him. He's just dead weight. Somebody once tried to be funny while being a pallbearer and said that. (laughs) And it's like, really? (laughs) He said, he used the word dead. He said, this feels like dead weight. Everybody just looked at him without saying a word, but thinking, are you out of your ever loving mind? You can't say that as a pallbearer. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Another saying is don't beat a dead horse. So are you implying that it's okay to beat a live horse? Either way, I'm not beating anything. Now, physically, in the Bible, as they jump from topic to topic today, why not? Don't want you to get bored or complacent in any way. Physically dying and perishing in the Bible are two different things. Jesus said, I solemnly assure you, if a man is true to my word, he shall never see death. Now, we obviously know that believers of the Old Testament and New Testament and of this present age die. So what did Jesus mean when he said he shall never see death? Well, death is the spiritual death. That non-believers will experience when Jesus comes back to judge who stands and falls at the end of time. To say somebody will perish 
is to say that he will directly experience the opposite of eternal life, which is eternal death. The book says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. All unrepentant, wicked, evildoers from the beginning of time will perish, which entails a permanent separation from God and life itself, being thrown into the lake of fire, Guiana, as the Bible says. On the other hand, believers will enjoy an eternal life full of love, peace, happiness, and joy with God and Jesus, our friends and family. Yeah, it'll be a nice time. And unlike how the Calvinists believe, God wants to save all of us. He wants all of us ending up in heaven with him. The book says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God is an equal opportunity employer. He's not here for just a select few. Although, unfortunately, a select few or remnant may, may be the only ones that do enter the narrow pathway that leads to heaven. And why? Well, because people are using their free will to ignore, reject, and deny Jesus. Why people do that to their own detriment, I, I will never understand. I don't get it. God and Jesus are nothing but love. Love freely given to his children. And we are his children. God puts it out there for us on a silver platter. All we need to do is to accept what he's more than willing to give. Do we do that? I'm wondering. The book says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What can be clearer than that? And it is a free gift. All you need to do is extend your arms out and graciously receive it with forever appreciation and thanks to our God, our Father. And if this is the first time you're hearing this kind of thing, then you got some catching up to do. What are you waiting for? Understand what's happening in these last days that the Bible spells out for us. Don't be blindsided on the sheer disaster to come. And it is coming. If God in the Bible says so, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. You could either be included or excluded. Your life could either mean something or mean nothing at all. Like Rambo said in one of his movies, you either live for something or die for nothing. Which would you rather have? Hey, here's another tidbit about death that you may not know. Your hair and fingernails continue to grow for three days after your heart stops beating. Now, how do they know that? It's not like in three days the growth will be noticeable, right? Nothing happens in three days. Are they just making it up? I mean, have they been doing tests on dead bodies all these years to come up with such a miraculous conclusion? I hate to burst your bubble, but nobody cares if our hair and fingernails continue to grow for three days after we die. Is this what researchers are wasting their time with? There's nothing more important? I wonder how much they got paid for that study.
200, 300 grand or more? Stop looking for someone to help, save, and rescue you. The lifeguard chair is empty. Stop waiting for the phone call that never comes. And when it does, it's the wrong number. Stop looking down, shaking your head, asking, why me? When the correct answer is, why not you? Yo, we all need to lift our heads upward and call on God. Just as the teacher calls on the student and a football coach calls the plays. We need to call on God so God in turn will call out to us. Remember David killed Goliath because God was with him, even though it was seemingly impossible. It would be like you body slamming Andre the Giant with a bad back would never happen. You'd need a crane. But with God, all things are possible. So keep drifting towards your spiritual side with the love of Jesus which you can go get yourself some from the Don't Bring Up God show on WAB Sunday mornings from 8 to 9. Hey, if you want to catch the podcast, simply search Don't Bring Up God podcast. Yeah, have a nice time with that. Last 50 at least uh, shows that we did. You can listen for free at your leisure or while you're working. Whatever, whatever it takes. The good book says... And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in Guyana. The statement says a lot. Number one, the soul can be destroyed and become no more. And it becomes destroyed by being thrown into Guyana. Which tells me that non-believers at the end of time will be hurled into the lake of fire, which is Guyana, in order to be destroyed not live forever and, and even and, and suffer the fires of a supposed hell. No, I don't see that said in the book. The wages of sin is death, and that includes the second death of being thrown into the lake of fire, where your body and soul will be destroyed. There will be nothing left of you to be tortured for eternity. Get what I'm saying? Here comes the word destroyed again. The book says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you. And this knowledge that is spoken about here is the Word of God because all true knowledge, wisdom, intelligence, and understanding comes from God. Things you can only get through knowing who Jesus is. It's hidden in Him. Just as our entire new body and new life is hidden in Him as He comes back a second time to gather believers all together with Him in heaven, we don't know what our new life will entail. We have bits and pieces of it that we get from the Bible. But the majority of it living in, in different dimensions is, is... There goes my phone. Why is my phone beeping? My phone never beats. But when I do a show, all of a sudden it beeps and calls. Annoying. I guess I should turn it off. huh? But heaven, as I was saying, the Bible tells us bits and pieces of what heaven's all about. But... When we get there, we're going to be living in different dimensions outside time, space, and matter. All right? I mean, who can really relate to that? Even so-called geniuses like Sigmund Freud and Albert Einstein couldn't figure that one out. I suppose that's why they remain godless or remained, past tense, godless, because they're both dead as a doornail. Ah, see? See how prevalent that phrase is? You know, the, the Einstein and Freud, 
They can't answer all the questions that are on the table since they, like many others, think that the world revolves around their axis, around their axis of their own individual brain power. It's quite lame. Like they were, and many people today. If you don't understand something, too bad. And if your main goal is the goal is not getting to heaven, if if you're running this race on earth for a different reason than that, then you've got a problem. You really do. Heaven is our prize, and that should be in our heads all the time as we live our lives. Don't don't limit it to this dump down here. The book says, And it shall be, if you forget the Lord your God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. There's the word perish again. If that word is slapped on you, then that means you will experience physical death and spiritual death. You will be eliminated from top to bottom. That's why Christians don't fear physical death. Because we know what's waiting for us, the big prize of all, heaven for eternity. And there's nothing better than that. How many times did I say, take your best day on earth and multiply it by a trillion? If you do that, you still won't get close to what paradise will be like. Now, do you believe that or don't you? Are you going to live your life accordingly or won't you? It's your choice, your call. Don't screw it up. Like my um, like my wife screwed it up almost on our wedding day, as I recall. She was an hour late to the church. Hour late. Who's who's an hour late? Tell me. The wedding was at two, and we watched um, videos later that uh, later uh, not that day, but uh, later on, uh, showing my wife and her bridesmaids laughing it up still getting dressed at the house as the clock on the wall said it was 10 of 2. Yeah, undisputed evidence that they were slacking, not on time, and not even caring to be on time. Hey, who's in charge over there? I had my boys right on time. Somebody asked me if I was worried she wouldn't show up to the wedding, to the church. I said, no way. She'll be here. She ain't going to miss out on all this. Yeah. The only thing I was worried about was that my little bit of makeup might start to run. Yeah, you heard me right. I wore a little bit of makeup to highlight the eyes and cheekbones. I'm not going to deny it. That's not a sin to do, is it? I don't think so. I I realize the wedding is a reverent ceremony before God, for sure. But there are entertainment factors to it. 
It is a bit of a production. So I was only doing what any actor on the Broadway stage would do. As I know my wife is saying right now, why is he bringing up all this stuff and telling everybody? How embarrassing. But if I'm not embarrassed, she shouldn't be embarrassed. Should she? All right, let's get back to death and perishing. How appropriate, because I'm thinking she's going to kill me when I get home. But regardless, the book says, As the nations which the Lord destroyed before your face, so shall you perish, because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. Did you hear that? The nations which the Lord destroyed before you. That's why we all need to learn history, so we're not doomed to repeat it. There were so many nations that turned their back on God, who because of it were destroyed, as the verse says. So where does that leave the United States right now? Do we agree that the United States in general has turned its back on God in so many different ways? Well, if that's the case, guess what's coming our way? The book says, So are the paths of all that forget God and the hypocrites hope shall perish. So the message here is just simply don't forget God. Give him the proper reverence, honor, and respect that he deserves. And never even think about ignoring, denying, and rejecting his son Jesus. Because we all know what's going to happen. Just on self-preservation alone, don't you think we should do the right thing? With the primary reason being our gratefulness and love for God Almighty. So he can be pleased by our thoughts, words, and deeds, which glorifies him. Now, if you understand what I'm talking about and accept it, then you have just discovered the reason for life. The reason why we're here. There is no other. The book says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Yeah, that word perish is throughout the Bible. Here we go again with very clear information. Nothing confusing about it. The ungodly shall perish. What part of those four words didn't you understand? And perish, as we, as we talked about, doesn't just mean dying. It means experiencing the second death, which is being thrown into the lake of fire right after the great white throne judgment at the end of time. It's all there in the book. And if you're a Christian, you should know about this and be aware of this and act accordingly. The book says, But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume. Into smoke shall they consume away. They shall be consumed, consumed. God is described as a consuming fire in the Bible, which has to do with non-believers. And it's all consuming, burnt into stubble, which doesn't mean eternal suffering forever, but it does mean horrific, painful torture to some degree. And hey, don't say to yourself, I don't care. Just as long as I can party here, I don't care what happens later. But let's face it, if you look in the mirror, you're miserable. You are. Just admit it. Be honest with yourself. And in the end, you will be miserable times a trillion. Trillion. 
You think you're winning, but you're not. You're losing. So instead of doubling down, why not open up the window and let the light in? It's not too late. Unlike years ago when your girlfriend finally dumped your sorry ass with over three years of neglect and non-appreciation. Just how many times did you choose hanging out with the boys before seeing your girlfriend? And now that it's over, you're trying to make it all up to her. But it's too late. Stuff your sorries in a sack, mister. Now, I don't know exactly what that means, but it sounds good. How many times did you put watching the big game before your girlfriend? How many times did you not care enough to watch what you ate? Making your big belly bigger? That can't help. And how many times did you want to visit her parents? Not many. I was actually lucky. My uh, mother and father-in-law lived in different countries. So I was free of that responsibility. Not to say that I wouldn't have visited, because I would have. Probably. And just another friendly reminder to you parents, including myself. You got to be careful of this favoritism thing. You can't show it amongst your kids. Like Isaac favored his son Esau and his wife favored the other son Jacob. Because when you favor one kid over another, it creates a friction that oftentimes develops into a hatred among siblings. And nobody wants that. Later on, Jacob obviously favored his son Joseph over all his other sons. He had made Joseph this special tunic or colorful coat signifying a kind of royalty as opposed to the flimsy work tunics or coats all his brothers got, which which infuriated all the other brothers to a feverish hatred pitch. Have you ever guy have you guys ever heard about this coat that Joseph received? This tunic or coat that was later stripped off him before he was thrown into an empty cistern by his jealous brothers. This coat was then later soaked with blood by the brothers and given to their father Jacob as a testimony of Jacob or a testimony of, of Joseph's fabricated death, telling the father that some kind of wild beast attacked and devoured Joseph. Which was not true, because what the brothers ultimately did was to sell Joseph into slavery and gave this beast attack as an excuse on why Joseph will never be seen again. And this was all done because the brothers were so jealous of Joseph, because their father Jacob clearly favored Joe. And on top of that, Joe told his brothers that he had a dream that one day they would all be subservient to him. Okay, he had this dream, but he didn't have to tell his brothers about it, even though this dream did actually come true. So one of the many lessons here is for us parents never to show favoritism to one of our kids because it will crush the others, just like God doesn't show favoritism with us, even with God's supposed chosen people. Yes, back then they were chosen to spread the word of God. God had to start somewhere, right? But as time went on, that label of chosen people was definitely dropped. Initially, the Lord appeared to Abraham 
and said, to your descendants, I will give you this land, the land that is basically now considered Israel. But that was all changed when Jesus came around. Paul writes in the New Testament, each one of you is a son of God because of your faith in Christ Jesus. Furthermore, if you belong to Christ, you are the descendants of Abraham, which means you inherit all that was promised. Now, that's right out of the Bible. Let's stop thinking that one group of people is more privileged or more favored than the next. It's just not true. Anymore, it's not true. Initially, perhaps, but definitely not now. Is it any wonder that some present-day Jews, especially Zionists and Orthodox Jews, literally hate Jesus? Because what Jesus did was broaden the spectrum of his love. It just wasn't confined and restricted any longer. Although, really, it, w- it never was, as long as you believed and obeyed God's directives. So let's never forget that God and Jesus show no favoritism. God could care less about your nationality or what religion you label yourself with. And that's just the truth. <laughs> Take one portion of Robert, one measure of board guy, three octaves of voice guy, many handfuls of listeners and callers. <laughs> Stir them well in a cast iron cauldron and simmer for 60 minutes. <laughs> then you've just brewed. Don't bring up God. Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 on WAEB. <laughs> and don't you dare forget to add pinches of humor, anger, and laughter. <laughs> Spiced with sincerity, honesty, and truth. If this doesn't tantalize your taste buds, then I recommend you dump this whole cauldron of brew over your head. I hear it's great for hair stimulation and growth. <laughs> now, if you got something to say, or even if you don't, feel free to call the Don't Bring Up God Show live at 610-720-7900. And if you can manage to call the show dead, then by all means. That number again is 6. 610- 610-720-7900. I mentioned uh, earlier in the program, in the show, or whatever you want to call it, I mentioned my wedding, said a few words about it. It reminds me, I went to a wedding two weeks ago. Oh, yeah, sure I did. And it was outside like most of them are now, but it was still cold with a colder breeze, no less. Ah, freezing. I don't like to be cold, sitting there like a dope, waiting for the festivities to begin. That really ain't worth the wait. Yeah. And one of the bridesmaids at this wedding was shaking like a leaf. Poor thing. The way I noticed was that she was holding this bouquet of flowers that was shaking all over the place. I noticed the flowers... Wondering what was going on. I thought she had epilepsy or something. It was like a small earthquake. uh, The way she was uh, trembling. Yeah. But she was freezing. Yeah. Shivering. Now, the worst thing about this ceremony, if you can call it that, this wedding ceremony...
would have better. It would be better with this song. Maybe. Maybe not. Shaking and shivering. But she was, and I just felt sorry for her. So, obviously, the ceremony should have been inside. They were pushing the good weather, and it's too risky. You can't have people freezing out there. But anyway, as I was saying, the worst thing about the ceremony, if you want to call it that, was that there was not one mention of God. Can you believe it? Not even a sneeze with a God bless you attached to it. They quoted from this poet that no one ever heard of, and they drank whiskey at the ceremony, the bride and groom, in accordance with some kind of Irish custom. i never seen anything like it. I heard of people getting drunk after the ceremony at the reception, but during? Whatever. I, don't, I just don't get it. But I got to tell you, the food was spectacular. It was great. Just like that woman on Seinfeld. They're real and they're spectacular. And so was the food, especially the hors d'oeuvres. That's a French word. Look it up sometimes. Uh, I didn't need an S at the, at the end of the word sometimes. Look it up sometime and see how ridiculously it's spelled. Yeah, it's weird. No wonder it's so hard to say. Let's just remember it takes three for a successful marriage. The husband, the wife, and God. When you answer to God, it makes it easier to compromise and sacrifice for one another. So when you find yourself possibly over time emotionally breaking down, in reality, you will now be breaking up towards God. I like that line. Instead of breaking down in some way, you will now be breaking up to God. Here's another cute saying for somebody battling drugs. Take lines from the Bible and not the bag. Yeah. You know, hold, hold those uh, special phrases and verses in the Bible close to you. Repeat them every day if you have to, 10 times a day. Because in some cases, it's a matter of life and death. The book says, Then call upon me in time of distress, and I will rescue you. And you shall glorify me. And speaking of glory, Jesus said, I seek no glory for myself. If I glorify myself, that glory comes to nothing. He who gives me glory is the Father. Yeah, glory. You, you've met people that want to be glorified and looking for the glory and the praise all the time. Look at me. Look at me. See how great I am. You know, you're not really that great. You're pretty much of a bum. So stop looking for fake praise because that's what you're going to get if somebody actually does praise and glorify you because it's not real. You're kind of like a douchebag. So do you want friends to lie to you and glorify you and praise you on how great you are from morning to night when you wake up and go to bed? It doesn't work that way. Who do you think you are? Come on now. Jesus himself says he's not looking to be glorified, as we should not be also. But God the Father rightfully does. What did Jesus say? What did he say there at one time? 
he said, Jesus said, I seek no glory for myself. If I glorify myself, that glory comes to nothing. He who gives me glory is the Father. Yeah, one day we will receive glory and praise from the Lord himself. That's all we should be concerned about, not your fellow man or your fellow douchebag. You know, just do the right thing and let the chips fall where they may. Don't have ulterior motives. Like you're going to be on the news and get man of the month or woman of the month. There's only one thing that comes every month, and we know what that is, women, don't we? And we want nothing to do with it, although we have to bear it. So just stop the looking for to be to be praised and glorified. That's all I'm trying to say. As I got into another direction there and quickly got out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Where am I? God the Father. Uh, yeah, God. God the Father. He rightfully does deserve the glory. So let's bring it all to Him and possibly most of our prayers along with it. While at the same time thanking Jesus for dying on the cross in order to pay the penalty for our sins. And here's something for you, caller Joe, even though you can't call today because we're not taking calls. Feel free to express yourself, though, in a rebuttal phone call next time you do call Joe. I won't duck you. But the Bible clearly says that the devil, false prophet, and antichrist will be thrown into the lake of fire and be tortured day and night forever and ever. How come it doesn't specifically say that for non-believers? Because they're not going to be tortured day and night for eternity. The Bible says fire and brimstone rained down from heaven on Sodom and Gomorrah and destroyed them all. It will be like that on the day the Son of Man is revealed. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah weren't tortured for eternity they were destroyed and killed off and made non-existence, non-existent. There's a T at the end of the word. And, and, that, and it happened because they defied God. They want nothing to do with God. They basically thumbed their nose at God, shot the finger at God. They didn't care. So after thousands of times of rejection, God had to do what God had to do in the name of justice and what's right. The word Tartarus, you still listening, Joe? The word Tartarus, or hell, was used only one time when referring to fallen angels being thrown into a dark holding cell till the end of time. Yeah, nothing to do with human beings. I don't know where they get this burning hell thing. No. I mean, I know there was that parable, or some people think it was real, of the beggar man and Lazarus in hell. But all indications say that that was just a parable to make points. All right? It wasn't literal. You know, talking about putting a drop of water on the tongue of the guy in hell to alleviate the suffering. What, what's a drop of water going to do? I mean, break it down. You know, there's a lot of symbolic talk there, a lot of figurative talk there that we got to understand. Sheol and Hades does not mean hell. And that's the problem in the Bible or in some Bibles. They just shoot the word hell every time they see those two, those two Hebrew and Greek words, Sheol and Hades. Doesn't mean hell. It just doesn't. It means the grave. Now, Guiana, 
was a garbage dump, a, a literal garbage dump outside of Jerusalem, symbolically looking like Sodom and Gomorrah, with all the fire and black smoke, dead bodies and rodents, worms and insects. Doesn't that make sense? You know, God's portraying something pretty awful to come the way of the non-believer. But as far as this hell burning forever for eternity as as a as a punishment, as a suffering punishment, no. The hell portrayed to us for years is just incorrect. No such thing as eternal burning for humans. No. And Joe, I know you're going to convince me or try, attempt to convince me and everybody else that I am incorrect. And maybe I am. Look, anyone that thinks he's 100% right and infallible, just steer away from. I realize that I may be incorrect. I'm not saying the gospel comes out of my stupid mouth. No, I'm not stupid. I wouldn't go that far. The board guy might go that far. But no, I'm not saying that. These are things I hope for and believe in. And you think if I, if well, I, I, I really do believe that I will go to heaven. The Bible, I think, verifies that we should verify for ourselves that, yeah, heaven is wrapped up. We're good to go. But you think I'm going to go up there and, uh, and be thrown into hell, this hell that doesn't exist, just because I'm in error of certain things, like maybe Samson was blonde instead of dark hair? Maybe Moses' staff was uh, six and a half foot long instead of five foot that I was saying. I mean, these little details, not that some are little, but if you honestly are an error, God's not going to hold you to that. He's not going to give you a quiz in heaven to send you to the abyss. No, just give your mind and heart and soul to God Almighty and know Jesus as a best friend with the best advice. And then do your best from that point on. We're all, we're all fallible. Remember that. Even you, Joe. And boy, I know I'm going to hear it. I know you're, you're going to be writing this big sermon. All ready to go. Like five of eight. Ten of eight. Whatever. But, but nevertheless, with all this notwithstanding, make no mistake about it. God's justice and wrath is real. And you won't escape it. Whew. Another show in. All roads lead back to God. Tyler, we love you. We'll see you again. Let me in.